0: As these communities grow, those who invest in early stages are are really going to be the ones to reap the greatest rewards because for a lot of communities, you're going to be the first to the table.
1: Hi, I'm Michelle Sampson, host of the Destination Northern Ontario podcast. This series is for the dreamers who want to start a new life somewhere simpler Somewhere that, for the price of a condo in downtown Toronto, you could buy a cottage resort that would be your business and your home. The trail to your new life isn't necessarily paved and easy, but it has been walked before with great success. We'll talk to some of those trailblazers later in the series, but for this first episode, we're going to meet a pair of, let's call them trail guides, who were born and raised in Northern Ontario and who've made it their job to help investors like you find their way.
0: My name is Gordon Olst. I'm the Senior Coordinator of Economic Development and Investment Attraction at Destination Northern Ontario. That's RTO 13
2: I'm Paul Pepe, and uh, I'm the manager of Tourism Thunder Bay, and we are a department of the Thunder Bay Community Economic Development Commission.
1: Most of this episode is going to be about starting a business in Northern Ontario. But the first decision newcomers like yourself need to make is whether you actually want to live in Northern Ontario. It might seem like an easy decision when you're looking at gorgeous images of a quiet lake in the middle of the boreal forest, but there are a few harsher truths that you should know. I asked Gord and Paul what others in your shoes wish they knew before moving. We have a real winter. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely cold. I think that's probably the biggest challenge. It's one thing for someone like Paul and myself who have been here for a long time and we're raised in it, and that's one thing. But Uh, It can be a big challenge, I think, coming from an area where perhaps the weather is a little warmer or black flies and mosquitoes don't exist.
2: We do have four very distinct seasons in the north and and they're all very, very beautiful. So we tend to attract people that, that appreciate that. But for a lot of people that are international, their first winter in Thunder Bay can be a bit of an adjustment. And, you know, they learned soon to get out and enjoy it and dress appropriately and get engaged with the local community that's into skiing or snowshoeing or curling or hockey or whatever. Um, And that is often sort of that icebreaker, uh, pardon the pun, to get people sort of engaged in how to enjoy winter and how to have fun in a winter city.
1: In addition to the chilly weather, newcomers are often surprised that there's little to no public transportation in rural parts of Canada, including Northern Ontario. Thunder Bay and the other urban centres do have basic transit that will get you around, But outside of those centres, a driver's license and a vehicle is pretty much a necessity. The next surprise is a necessity for some newcomers, but not for others. Before moving to Northern Ontario, ask yourself, do I want to be surrounded by other members of my cultural community?
0: In an urban area like Toronto, you would have a little Italy or a Chinatown or kind of that coagulation of people who, you know, you, you speak the same language, you might have come from the same general area you got that food scene that's there, uh, opportunity to celebrate specific holidays. That doesn't exist in some of our smaller communities. So we know that in some of the more rural areas, it can be a challenge as far as feeling that sense of community because you might be one of a small number of people in the community from a specific ethnic background. Some people really lean into that and wear that as a badge of honor. So they become great ambassadors and are working to bring other people to kind of bridge that gap. But it can be a challenge, especially when you're so remote. But there's a lot of good work being done to help mitigate that as much as possible. And there's a lot of great community organizations available in a lot of these communities to really try and build inclusivity uh, and ensuring that people aren't made to feel alone in their towns.
2: That's a big thing. A big part of what we all work on is, is celebrating diversity, inclusion, and equity in our communities and really making rural and northern communities welcoming to, to newcomers from around the globe. And, uh, and we're seeing a lot of success with that. You know, we have a local multicultural association, which plays a huge role in helping newcomers get comfortable in the community and find their way around and get to meet people. And Thunder Bay is a very friendly and welcoming city that way. The Southeast Asian population, the Indian population here in Thunder Bay, that has grown quite substantially from a few hundred to a few thousand. And it's created a very welcoming sort of cultural and culinary environment that now makes it more comfortable for people from those countries to feel at home. And so that's the key. Is integration in the in the sense that getting to feel comfortable, getting to have those comforts of their own culture in the city while exploring and experiencing the cultural uh, foundation of what the community is all about?
0: It's a very much a chicken and egg thing. As we build our communities and we get new people moving into these communities with diverse backgrounds, it, it becomes part of that community. So we're seeing you know a number of small towns now that have new types of restaurants new cuisines, places that you wouldn't ever think of before. I think of, you know, Indian restaurants popping up in these small towns and the communities just embrace them wholeheartedly. They love it. It creates that culture where an investor is coming in and seeing that there is access to uh, these restaurants, these businesses, these uh, niche stores that cater to specific groups of people. And I think we're really at the beginning of that. So if you're trying to get into business, that was an opportune time because we're really getting in on the ground level at a time when there's very, very affordable opportunities available that probably won't exist in 10 or 20 years because those who've gotten in will have really cornered that market.
2: That's kind of one of the exciting things about living here and seeing the transformation, even in the last decade in Northwest Ontario and in a city like Thunder Bay, where you go out every day and you just, you hear so many different languages being spoken from all over the world in a city of 110,000 people in the heart of the boreal forest. And You know, seeing people move here, you know, we've welcomed a lot of refugees from Syria, from the Ukraine, who just get into the workforce here right away. And they get into the entrepreneurial streams here and uh, they're just embraced by the community. And it's so wonderful to see that, to be in a community that welcomes people and where people feel welcome. You know, the other side of it, too, is we are on the traditional lands of Fort William First Nation, the indigenous people. And so the international immigration is one part of it, but it's also about reconciliation and it's also about building uh, a stronger cohesive community that respects the indigenous cultural foundation that we're in here as well it's about our intimate connectivity to the to the natural environment and nobody does that better than the indigenous peoples upon the lands that we share the land with and and there's so many lessons to learn and there's so many bridges to build as we engage in meaningful reconciliation efforts that helps build a stronger community as well
1: both paul and gord are from the north and they're very committed to staying i wanted to hear a bit more about why that is what do you love about Northern Ontario, Gord?
2: Not the winter. You need to grow um, a beard, Gord. You'll feel a lot warmer in the winter with a beard. Um, anyway.
0: I'm I'm Asian. I, if I start now, I'll probably be about eighty by the time I get to your beard. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Italian. I just started this yesterday. That's right. Yeah, you like, just you know. sneeze and it pops right
0: out. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, what do I love about that? I I love that it's a place that you can raise a family. I love that it's a place that. I can leave my door unlocked. I love that it's a place where if I want to travel, it's a two-hour drive to Thunder Bay, which is a great urban area. It's a 90-minute flight from Thunder Bay to Toronto, the biggest city in this country. Minneapolis isn't that far a drive. Winnipeg's not that far a drive. If I want to explore culture, I have that, but I also can leave those places. I don't have the same challenges that come with affordability, of uh, community safety, of access to service. I can work in a place where I can feel valued, where, where my work has real impact. I sit as a municipal counselor as well. So, you know, that opportunity might not exist in the more urban areas. I have this unique opportunity to, to be able to work at that grassroots level, to build a vision of a great community.
2: Gordon and I are both born and raised in the North, and it would take a lot I think for either of us to leave the North, we love it here. I'm an outdoors person. The lifestyle I have here, I wouldn't be able to get anywhere else in Canada for what it costs for me to live here. And so I think that's something we love to show off. We love to share with people from around the world. And, uh, you know, when we have a cruise ship in port, a lot of the crew, for example, are from the Philippines or from other parts of the world. And one of the things we love to do is actually like drive them around. Certainly the passengers go on their tours. They're, they're one part of the visitor experience. But we get to meet these people from all over the world that are fascinated by what we have in our backyard. And I think that's important for us to remember too, is that what we have here is something that a lot of people envy. We have clean water, we have clean air, we have lots of land, that's pretty special. And I think that's you know what we work to attract is the kind of people that value
1: that as well. If what Gord and Paul are saying aligns with your interests and values, wonderful. You should definitely keep listening. Now that you're sold on moving here, we're hoping you'll be interested in buying or building a tourism business when you arrive. Let's get a high-level introduction to the region's tourism industry.
0: Northern Ontario tourism, I think, is uh, bringing in people from urban areas who are looking for an escape into quiet, into tranquil, into safe, small communities uh, where you're able to explore things in a way that you might not be able to otherwise. For instance, you might be the only person fishing on a given lake or the only person paddling on open water. So. Having those opportunities to connect with small towns and and really get into dealing with communities and and the people within them on a personal level, which is a a real unique opportunity uh, for people who are looking to get away from, say, some of the larger urban areas.
2: We position Thunder Bay as Canada's premier outdoor city. We are on the shore of Lake Superior, the world's largest freshwater lake. We are on the edge of the world's largest contiguous boreal forest. We are on the traditional lands of the Yishnabek peoples of Fort William First Nation. Uh, who have been on the land for thousands of years. For us, it's much more than the physical activity that you can do on, on the land and on the water and in the air. It's about that intimate connectivity we have as a city to our natural environment all around us. And so, you know, we're known as an outdoor city for mountain biking, for skiing for the provincial and national parks that are in and around the city, for the water sports uh, here. And so on the leisure side, we're we're really known across Canada and around the world as that kind of place that's very laid back. It's really about connecting with nature and getting away from the busy life. And Thunder Bay is very much as an urban centre, that kind of place where you can get out and play as hard as you want in the outdoors and then reward yourself at night with an incredible culinary scene that we have here that people don't expect to find in a small city as well as the arts and entertainment scene that we have here as well. So, you uh, we know, we like to surprise people with that, that they can create a very well-rounded experience here. But we're also a center for sports gatherings. We're also a center for uh, meetings and conventions, uh, as well as, you know, we're becoming uh, much more well-known globally as a cruise ship destination as well, with companies like Viking, Hapag Lloyd, and American Queen, all, you know, uh, choosing Thunder Bay to, uh, to uh, make a port of call. Or in the case of Viking Cruises, a turnaround port uh, starting in 2022 last year. So, uh, you know, we have a very diverse tourism economy here in Thunder Bay.
1: In order to start a tourism business, you have to understand your market. So who are these visitors?
0: Because uh, the RTO 13 is so large, basically you're looking at that two different segments. So when you're looking towards the east know, 13A and, and 13B, you're getting a lot more traffic coming up from the GTA just because of the proximity to it. So people are getting more comfortable with the idea of uh, driving outside of the confines of southern Ontario and doing uh, one, two, three-day trips. So that'll bring them as far as, as Sault Ste. Marie on a regular basis. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities there that we're seeing with people taking uh, the ferries as well as uh, as driving the highways. So. You're getting a lot of new young travelers who have never explored Northern Ontario before, as well as Pan-Northern and uh, international travelers. So we're seeing a lot more people in the RV sector who are coming through uh, from overseas who are bringing their RVs or renting or them at, uh, at a major destination and driving across Canada or through the U.S. to explore the area. And then you get into 13C, which is where uh, Thunder Bay is, and you get a lot more travel from Manitoba as well as uh, from the U.S., from uh, some of the Midwestern states.
1: Paul says Thunder Bay does get a lot of Canadians, but Americans are a very important part of the mix.
2: We're a 45-minute drive uh, to Minnesota from here. Uh, so we do get a lot of Americans, particularly in, this, in the summer months, who come up here for the outdoors. Uh, fishing, paddle sports, hunting in the fall is is a big driver traditionally for the American market. But we get a lot of people that are doing the Lake Superior Circle Tour, which is you know certainly one of North America's premier driving destinations. Uh, and so we have folks that are doing the traditional road trip around the lake. And we're seeing them in the RVs and we're seeing them by the thousands on motorcycles as well. So, you know, Ride Lake Superior's initiative we co-created about a decade ago uh, to really promote the Lake Superior Circle Tour as a premier motorcycle destination in, in North America. And so we attract thousands of riders, for example, uh, who come through the city for that. We're seeing a lot of the 20-something, um, you know, solo travelers, the couples without kids. Uh, we got a number of families that come mainly to visit friends and, and family that live here. Uh, and we see a lot of the boomer market and you know 50 plus that are road tripping as well
1: as Paul mentioned earlier more cruise ships are coming to the great lakes with the growth of that industry thunder bay is getting more mature and affluent visitors than they used to most of those cruise travelers are american but an increasing number will be coming from further afield a german ship is coming this year and a french ship is expected in 2024 but leisure isn't the only reason people come to thunder bay many come with a more Competitive or industrious spirit.
2: On the sports side, we host a lot of regional, provincial, national events. And on the convention corporate side, we are a gateway city right now to a lot of the buzz that's going on in the critical minerals exploration world. So, lithium, uh, you know, copper, uh, nickel, all those things are in high demand for uh, electrification of vehicles. And a lot of that exists in the Northwest Ontario region. So, Thunder Thunderbase are that base camp for a lot of those companies to. Um, to set up shop in and, and on the exploration engineering side. And they come from all over the world to work here as well. So uh, the interesting thing with our corporate visitors, they're also our leisure visitors. So a lot of them have downtime, you know, they're spending money in our restaurant scene, they're going to events, they're going to attractions. And so we tend to look at things very holistically there. And then we're also a gateway city and a, and a hub For a number of Indigenous communities throughout Northwest Ontario who come to Thunder Bay for retail, for healthcare, for education, and for business as well. So we enjoy an incredibly diverse domestic, uh, US, and overseas uh, clientele here who comes to Thunder Bay for any number of reasons.
1: That's an overview of who's visiting Northern Ontario and why. If that sounds like the kind of clientele you'd like to serve, I have good news for you. There are hundreds of businesses already known and frequented by these visitors that are for sale right now. These businesses, for the most part, aren't for sale because they're failing. They're for sale because the owners are ready to retire but don't have anyone to take over. It's a great opportunity to get your foot in the door without building a business from scratch. I asked Gord to tell me more about these businesses.
0: A lot of the businesses have been owned for 25 years or more, so. Uh without succession plans in place, there's a lot of opportunities for new uh, new entrepreneurs. So you're looking at resorts, restaurants, service stations, complementary businesses, uh, hotels, motels, and then opportunities to uh, to get new businesses started as well. So there's really a wide range of things that are available from the urban right down to uh to small highway uh communities as well as things that are off the beaten path, places that are available as is and can be taken over tomorrow or developing into brand new businesses or repurposing of existing buildings to fit a new and changing community, which we're seeing a lot of, uh, as Paul had mentioned, the mining and exploration has really changed the culture and, and the demographics of some of these communities. So um, some of these buildings that might have uh, had, say, a hardware store at one point can be repurposed into, uh, into something that's a little more tourism conducive, like a cafe or a restaurant of some sort.
1: In Thunder Bay, the trend of buying businesses started about a decade ago. Paul says newcomers and their fresh ideas have transformed the city. Young entrepreneurs,
2: born and raised here in Thunder Bay, moved back because they saw an opportunity with cheap real estate and uh, an, an evolving community—a community that was growing—and so that has really driven a lot of innovation in our hospitality sector, you know, predominantly in our culinary sector and our retail. Um, and then also on the immigration front, you know, we've uh, we've seen. Uh, a growth of international immigration, predominantly from Southeast Asia, moving here to Thunder Bay. And and a lot move here for school. You know, we have two post-secondary institutions here, Lakehead University and Confederation College. And a lot of them stay. They fall in love with the city. They fall in love with the clean air and the clean water and the people here and the friendliness. And they set up shop. And so they're driving a lot of that investment as well. But opportunities still do exist. So right now, you know, there's probably, uh, you know, 20 to 25 hospitality and tourism related businesses actively being marketed in the city. And there's probably others that are not, that are sort of quietly for sale, uh, you know, as, as owners are looking to retire and they're looking for a succession plan.
1: How much are these properties going for?
2: You know, well, certainly with average home prices in Thunder Bay at about $330,000, uh, certainly much more affordable than other markets in Ontario. And that certainly has fluctuated with, you know, what we've seen across North America for housing prices over the last few years. But it's still a, an affordable city to live in. And on the business side, we, we have some hospitality businesses, some restaurants that, you know, are in the leased or rented space, and they can be had for a little over $100,000, for example, for a new business opportunity. Right up to gas bars and hardware stores and bait shops, really catering to the transient tourism market. Some of them are going, you know, $1. 5 to $1.5 to $2.5 million. Um, and in the hospitality sector, you know, we've seen motels for 800000 go on the market, right up to major hotels in the millions.
1: Gord, are you seeing those um, prices track across the region?
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you get into some of the smaller communities, then sometimes the prices are even lower than that. One of the advantages that we're seeing with the resorts that are coming up for sale is not only are you purchasing a business, but you're purchasing a place that you can live in as well as have your family live in. So for the cost of say a condo, a larger urban center, you could purchase an entire home as well as your livelihood, liberate right on location and have your extended family working in some of these businesses as your staff.
1: Right. And some of the opportunities in buying some of these businesses for newcomers is permanent citizenship, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking for a path to citizenship, uh, this can be one of the uh, most efficient ways to do that, in that you have an opportunity to have a business, you have an opportunity to build your livelihood, to employ family and friends, as well as having a residence to live in and build up that equity. We're seeing people now 10 years ago who had done this, have grown their business, gotten their citizenship, and either moved on to another business or expanded the business or or purchased additional businesses. So they've become community leaders, and this was a very effective, efficient path for them.
1: Hopefully all this has got you excited and ready to look at properties. Online real estate listings like the MLS are great places to browse and get an idea of what's available. But another great resource is the website that DNO just launched specifically for investors and businesses, invest.destinationnorthernontario.ca. This website doesn't just have listings, it has all the information you need to start, run, and grow your business specifically in the North, all explained as clearly as possible.
0: We want to be able to provide that information out there in a way that people can understand it. And we also want to really cater that information to Canadians. So having that accessible in the languages they might be more familiar with in terms that are a little easier to access, because we know how difficult it can be to get into business development and understand what's happening. We're people who live in our whole lives and, and sometimes it can be a challenge. So for people who are just getting started, uh, having those tools available in a way that they can understand and, and people that they can get a hold of when they need it is a really important thing.
1: Whether you're buying an existing business or planning to build one from scratch, Understanding what visitors to Northern Ontario need and want will make sure it's as successful as possible. Gord tells us where you can find that information, particularly for the rural parts of the region.
0: I really suggest that people go and they speak to particular community futures offices because they work really closely with the existing businesses as not only business advisors, but as lenders to give a real on the ground assessment of what's needed in the community. So they speak with their stakeholders on a daily basis and have that chance to see, okay, maybe we've got capacity for another restaurant, or we've got capacity for a new gas bar, or uh, there's potential here for a hotel. And this is what's on the market. And very different depending on where you go. And uh, even amongst the urban areas, I'm sure there's, there's different needs, uh, say from a Thunder Bay to a North Bay where the market is different and the opportunities and the challenges are, are very unique to each community.
1: So what are Thunder Bay's unique opportunities? Paul has the scoop.
2: Here in Thunder Bay, you know, we've seen an, an enormous growth in the culinary scene over the last decade and a really strong farm to table scene emerge. So we've seen that growth. There's certainly new opportunities that continue to exist in the culinary scene. Um, On the outdoor attraction side, certainly for guiding uh, services, for ground transportation services, we have a gap. We need more accommodation rooms here in Thunder Bay as well. They're unique accommodation rooms. We have demand and inquiries for more sort of upscale and lakefront uh, accommodation options as well.
1: Whether you're reaching out to DNO, a community futures office, a small business enterprise centre, or the Thunder Bay Community Economic Development Commission, you can expect to speak with a friendly and knowledgeable person who will guide you. They can even give you the kind of data and research that will help you build a business plan. But more than just research and advice and data, these organizations can support you with funding as well. Thunder Bay collects a municipal accommodation tax, and half of that fund is earmarked for tourism promotion and development. They collected $1.2 million in 2022, and over 80% of that was given to companies and organizations to create new visitor experiences.
2: One of the things that we're very proud of here in Thunder Bay is that we invest and we reinvest a significant amount of what is collected in the municipal accommodation tax locally each year. We've been able to, to kickstart um, you know, an indoor uh, skate and BMX park, an outdoor water park on one of our urban reservoirs, and other initiatives as well that can help kickstart new visitor experiences, whether they be not-for-profit, whether they be uh, for-profit. Now with our tourism development fund through the Economic Development Commission, we provide non-repayable grants to to private sector businesses that want to either start up a new tourism business or expand their existing business. And really the objective of that fund is to increase the number of, of overnight visitors to Thunder Bay, increase the length of stay here in the community, and increase the economic yield that they leave in the uh, in the city. So those are the three major objectives that we work with when we are evaluating applications from private sector and from even not-for-profit tourism operators as well that are looking to do something a little different. It's overseen by an eight-member industry committee that includes people from our Chamber of Commerce, our hospitality sector, our restaurant sector. Uh, we have an Indigenous representative as well to really try to help grow Indigenous tourism development opportunities here in the local tourism ecosystem. So, you know, our fund is a really great tool. We like to consider it a best practice in Ontario. Uh, for the fact that we are able to reinvest hotel tax dollars into regenerate new hotel tax revenues by supporting initiatives and businesses. So often with that grant, because it's non-repayable, it can actually count as owner equity when they are going to a commercial lender for financing. So we like to see leveraged financing. We will consider up to 33% of their total eligible costs for grants when they're putting their business cases together. So, you know, that is is pretty substantial.
1: How substantial? pretty substantial especially if you consider how the money they awarded was further leveraged
2: 20 to forty thousand was certainly the average grant that was given to some of these business initiatives that got up and running and you know we have funded some strategic investments um in terms of major capital for expansions to the local professional theater house and uh, the architectural design phase of a potential new science center here for the city last year in 2022 we funded 37 projects $1.5 million in funding allocated that that leveraged another $8.4 million from other sources, including banks.
1: The federal and provincial governments are financially supporting northern businesses too, mostly through the Federal Economic Development Agency for Northern Ontario, a.k.a. FEDNOR, and through the Ontario Ministry of Northern Development. Accessing that funding might be easier than you think, even if you're a recent immigrant or a refugee.
0: There's great officers working in many of our communities in Northern Ontario, and they really work hard to ensure that people who inquire with them have that opportunity to access very unique funding that doesn't exist really anywhere else in the world. A lot of that with a focus on tourism development and bringing new Canadians and new entrepreneurs to Northern Ontario. Most places like to see... A 25% investment from the entrepreneur. There always needs to be some skin in the game. But that being said, um, there's very few options that are available outside of Northern Ontario, where you're looking at perhaps up to three quarters of that investment covered through grants and loans. These loans are low interest, and oftentimes they're better than can be offered through traditional means. So there's real opportunity there for accessing capital that might not exist otherwise. We're dealing with a number of people who are coming from Challenging places like the Ukraine, who are looking at, at establishing a business, so uh, they don't have the collateral in place because they just don't have collateral. They've come to Canada; they come with incredible skill, incredible ability, uh, but they don't have those pieces in place through traditional means to secure a mortgage to get a business up and going. So, there's real local representation now, in a lot of our communities to to have access to key, unique funding that will allow them to get started and then to access funds with organizations like Community Futures with some of our local credit unions, uh, really unique solutions that allow people to get their businesses really up and running because that's the hardest challenge right now is access to capital and not just access to capital for startup, for expansion because the tourism sector is seen as more volatile than say a brick and mortar store. So being able to access funding from a number of different sources and leverage that and stack those monies on top of each other it makes it possible for some of our businesses to really grow and take it to that next level and ensuring that the product that we're delivering in northern ontario isn't just a product that's good enough it's a product that's good enough on the global stage because we know that the global traveler can go anywhere they want in the world and we want to make sure that when they're here in northern ontario the, the experience they're getting is number one and exactly what we're advertising through our great marketing tools
1: So are these mostly loans or grants or a mix of both? It's a
0: combination. Uh, It depends on where, where you're looking and it depends on what becomes available. A lot of the programming that's available is very specific to perhaps a point in time or a specific pocket of funding that might come out from a particular ministry. So it really varies depending on what you're looking at. So that's why it's great to keep in contact with your community stakeholders to see what's available and what's coming out down the pipeline.
1: A hot topic in the business world right now is availability of workforce and talent. Can you guys talk about what you're doing to help businesses fill those gaps?
0: Yeah. Right now at DNO, one of our pillars that we really focus our attention on is workforce development. Uh, There's a number of staff working for DNO and their specialty is to build tourism capacity because we know that there's a huge uh, workforce shortage right now. Brought. Further along by the pandemic, and that a number of people left the sector. Now that the borders are reopened, those markets started to come back, but the staff in the meantime have have gone on to new opportunities because there's so much out there, or they've retired. So, uh, a lot of the programming that we're focused on is bringing new people into the tourism field through micro credentials. We know that the need for not only people at the housekeeping level, but at the management level is a key piece to making sure that our hotels are continuing to run smoothly and with the level of service that people expect. So uh, we're working with the hotel associations and a number of other RTOs in Ontario to provide very sector-specific training. We work a lot with our partners at OTEC, as well as through the colleges and universities uh, in Northern Ontario to ensure that we are working on programming that really starts to address those gaps A lot of our key work is focusing on people coming into the workforce, uh, new Canadians, as well as people coming out of high school and and trying to reiterate the fact that tourism isn't just an entry-level position. It's a position that can be a lifelong endeavor uh, and that we have dozens of stories of people who have started as a guide and eventually down the road ends up owning a, a resort or a lodge because they've fallen in love with the property. They've gotten that passion from being on site. It's proven to be profitable to them, and and there's that opportunity there when it arises to eventually take over the business. So a lot of the work we're doing is just
2: trying to ignite that passion.
1: The city of Thunder Bay is also taking steps to fill workforce gaps. Here's Paul.
2: The Thunder Bay Community Economic Development Commission manages the uh, rural northern immigration uh, pilot for not only the Thunder Bay area now, but for most of Northwestern Ontario communities. We've been very successful in Thunder Bay in terms of attracting uh, immigrants uh, from around the world, predominantly uh, Europe, Southeast Asia, uh, into a number of positions, not not only in tourism, but in other sectors as well here in the city. We really do hope and we really do advocate uh, for that program to become permanent because it really does make a difference for rural and northern communities to be able to attract immigration. And uh, that's uh, what Northern and rural communities need to grow is they need immigration. Uh, and that's so critical to to growing communities. Um, but here in Thunder Bay, you know, we, see, we see the future needs of the workforce coming from three areas. Uh, one of them is our post-secondary institutions. Uh, we have a university and a college that both are very aggressive at attracting international students. And those students, frankly, saved our retail and saved our hospitality sectors over the last few years. And so continuing to connect them with opportunities, getting them to stay, after university and college, getting them to make a home here in Thunder Bay is really critical. And we're very fortunate to have an incredibly diverse and multicultural community here that uh, is is very welcoming for international students. And and a number of them do stay and uh, and do enter the workforce and do become business owners as a result. Um, Also, uh, we have a very, very large indigenous population throughout uh, Northwest Ontario. And in a lot of cases, there's a lot of opportunities to support workforce development in indigenous youth and indigenous communities. And then getting into the schools, we have to reach out to youth and we have to get in, you know, not just the colleges and universities. We have to start talking to kids in high school. Uh, You know, last week I did presentations to a bunch of grade three classes at a public school on tourism. And that seems really weird. It's like, well, are they even serious at that level? But they are. Any opportunity, we have to get youth in our communities and get youth in the North excited about their communities and what the potential is for both careers and entrepreneurship. That's what we need to do.
1: Yet another way that tourism businesses in the North get supported is through marketing. Organizations across Northern Ontario are working together and pooling their resources to bring visitors into the region. Here's a look at what Tourism Thunder Bay is doing.
2: We focus a lot on content development, a lot of digital content. We work with a lot of uh, uh, content creators to help us tell our stories. We invest quite a lot in bringing them into the community, so show them what we have. They create the blog content, they create the editorial, the video, the photo assets that, you know, reach an audience in a whole new way. And I think reach a consumer in a much more um, uh, authentic way in what is a very, very crowded marketplace. With conventions and sports, it's just about bidding. We're being very, very aggressive in going after convention and sports bids. And we utilize our tourism development fund as a tool to incentivize sports groups and conventions to bring their meetings and events to Thunder Bay as well. Travel trade, international travel trade, you know, we work very closely with DNO, Destination Ontario, Destination Canada. And, you know, we even work with our partners uh, on the U.S. side of Lake Superior. We belong to a number of binational marketing initiatives where we put our dollars in the pot together with our American counterparts to attract more people to the Great Lakes region. And partnerships right now is so critical in destination marketing uh, to be able to, to reach more people more effectively.
0: I couldn't agree more with what Paul said. Like, I think that's something Northern Ontario does so well is working as partners. I've known Paul for a number of years, and uh, he's always been a firm supporter, him and his entire team, of ensuring that Northern Ontario is building as a tourism destination because what's good for my small community is ultimately good for his urban community as well. A lot of the work that we're doing at DNO is is very uh, similar in that we're looking at new ways of doing things and taking a look at how can we engage people because it's one thing for us to put an ad out and tell people we're the world's best but we live in an age now where if you're not the world's best it's pretty easy to discover that very quickly we want to really focus on what we do well building that capacity building things up from the ground so that when we do come out and say that we're the world's best that we really mean it and we have the tools and the testimonials from real travelers, people who have experienced it, people who have lived it, people who have made that choice to come out to an area and spend their hard-earned money, that they're coming out and having that experience and they're relaying that to the world. So we're really working, as Paul has said, on those storytelling pieces, working with our DMOs to make sure that those experiences at a particular business are told and really showcase what they're doing for the world. Because that's, I think, really important moving forward is people will travel to destinations if there is a point of interest that Really captures their attention. Often we're finding that people are coming to a community for a specific experience. And then how do we how do we package that together with uh, what's available as well in the surrounding area?
1: One final question. as tourism leaders, you're seeing the trends. you might even see some exciting things that are coming down the pipeline. Is there anything in your crystal ball that potential investors should know about?
2: For us in the city, you know we're really excited by where cruise shipping is going and where it has the potential to grow people from around the world are starting to recognize Lake Superior and the, and the boreal forest of the Northwest region. And I think, you know, in the pandemic, I think people really kind of got back to basics. People got away from their busy hustle and bustle of big city living. And people started to kind of understand and appreciate rural, uh, more laid back, more leisurely destinations. And I, and I think investments will continue to grow for people that A, are looking for that lifestyle change, uh, and wanting to own a business and wanting to own a small lodge or a glamping outfit or something really cool in the Northwest, and I think consumers are finding that too. I'm very excited about what the potential is for us here in, in Thunder Bay and in Northwest Ontario about uh, about the future of tourism on a global scale because I think we have a lot going for us. You know, one of the things that came out of the uh, the Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada's you know National Indigenous Tourism Conference was, you know, they want Canada to be a global leader in Indigenous tourism. And I know here in Thunder Bay, we want to be a global gathering place for Indigenous peoples from around the world to come and gather and share knowledge on education, on life sciences, on business, on culture. And I think that's, that's something that the world wants more of. They want that, that authentic connectivity. And uh, I think we're well positioned in Northern Ontario to do that and, and to be globally multicultural and still really, really celebrate our roots too. I think it's, it's such an exciting time to be in the north.
0: I share Paul's sense of optimism about the way things are going in Northern Ontario. I think we're an undiscovered gem. Um, there's a lot of happenings and it's not just in the tourism sector. A lot of, I think our good fortunes are going to be tied into electric vehicles, uh, into resource development. A lot of the work that we're doing in the tourism sector uh, for these smaller communities is to help avoid that kind of that boom and bust cycle. As these communities grow, like I said, those who invest in early stages are are really going to be the ones to reap the greatest rewards because for a lot of communities, you're going to be the first to the table in any sort of sector that you're taking a look at, developing a business in. I think the tourism sector is just going to grow in leaps and bounds because there is an appetite. People want to explore Northern Ontario. People want to get out of the cities. People want to experience tranquility, quietness, to be able to work out at a quiet lake. Uh, where you're sitting on a dock with a laptop doing your work, having that work-life balance is making places like Northern Ontario particularly attractive because they can maintain that balance as well as being able to explore a lot of new experiences on their downtime. So uh, there's a lot of great opportunity. And and I think, you know, we're quite excited about growing opportunities and about working with all of our stakeholders at the local level.
1: Next time on the Destination Northern Ontario podcast, we'll talk to a couple who walked the walk and bought a resort in Northern Ontario. In that conversation, we'll learn why they made the leap and whether the investment was worth it. Subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast platform to make sure you don't miss it. For more information on investment opportunities across Northern Ontario, visit the new DNO Investor website at invest.destinationnorthernontario.ca. The link and other links for DNO and Thunder Bay are available in the show notes. The Destination Northern Ontario podcast is produced by Storied Places Media and hosted by me, Michelle Sampson. Thanks for listening.